lots of fallout still from what is happening in Afghanistan. Just one of the stories we're going to explore with the one and only Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. Tom Korski, happy Monday to you. Oh, thank you, Arlene. It is true. We're finding out more and more about the lack of planning in Afghanistan. And the more we find out, Tom, the more questions we have. It doesn't seem to make it go away. I know you've got a story here about an amba- our own ambassador to Canada who seemed to think all the chaos that we're seeing right now was just not possible. Apparently, uh, just a couple of years ago, we had just about everything organized. It doesn't make any sense, does it? This is Ambassador uh, Reed Sears. Here's, he is a career diplomat. He was our man in Kabul. He left quite early. He uh, left the city on August 15th. That was 11 days before the last Canadian rescue flight from Afghanistan. Left thousands of Canadian citizens and Afghan helpers behind. But he left early, and he was not just anybody. He was not a patronage appointment. Ambassador Sears was a career diplomat who had been director of security for the entire Department of Foreign Affairs. And it's a very unfortunate testimony he gave in a Senate National Foreign Affairs Committee two years ago, in which he boasted of their preparedness, how well-trained they were, the exercises they had in Afghanistan, places like Kabul, uh, that they were really on the job, uh, Arlene. (laughs) And yet we see tragically and frankly, infuriatingly, that was not the case. But it worked out for Ambassador Sears. He got out. He got out and everyone else was not so lucky. So, you know, as we look at these comments, it really does explore what we didn't know in a lack of plan. Is it overconfidence or is this just boasting to make it look like this is money well spent? Well, well, it was his job. You know, we see, though, over and over in different circumstances, the same sort of pattern and It has happened in this case with the Department of Foreign Affairs, Arlene. And the pattern is you get caught off guard. This was not a success story by any measure. I know the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Mr. Garneau, likes to say we did okay compared to Italy and Belgium, but I don't live in Italy and Belgium. I'm Canadian, and so is he. And they had a plan, and they had a responsibility to Canadian citizens, least of all to Canadian citizens who were left behind in this terrible circumstance, in this dreadful country. And they didn't execute the plan. And whenever the feds are caught off guard, we saw this with the pandemic. There is a rush to declare heroic actions by our diplomats, by our staff, even by our soldiers. There's no success story here, Arlene. This is about failure and inexplicable failure. When the department had boasted it was prepared for every eventuality. I look forward to Ambassador Sir's testimony at inevitably a parliamentary hearing. I don't think he will enjoy it. Also, uh, the audit of foreign aid to Afghanistan says money was spent unwisely without achieving demonstrable results. And so now there is new scrutiny on how much money we spent there as well. Clearly, as you say, we have a pattern and the pattern is that upon deeper investigation, we can understand the lack 
of the lack of getting anybody out there, the lack of any, we couldn't see any plan in Afghanistan. And so we're going to start wondering about what was happening in all the corners there over all the years. But they were they were in a rush to declare victory. And we have done so over and over and over. And you're right, Arlene, when you start to look beyond the platitudes and approach anything resembling scrutiny, it in the case of this audit of foreign aid to Afghanistan, since we withdrew our troops in 2014, almost a billion dollars cash went through the Department of Foreign Affairs. And auditors looked at this. This was the final audit that was done. And they discovered even staff within the Department of Foreign Affairs said they felt pressure to spend money for the hell of it. The audit didn't say it in just those words. They said that staff felt pressure to spend too much money too quickly, regardless of outcomes, regardless of awareness that they lived in an Islamic country where, for instance, running programs to have more women officers in the Afghan military was probably not a great idea. That's what we did. You know, we've seen this before, too. I mean, this is why a lot of Canadians are cynical about their government, because over the years we have seen these kind of directives. We have seen this push well, it's very, it's very governmental, isn't it, Tom? You know, spend the money, make the announcement, take the credit. It's, it, it is. It's conceptual, isn't it? It's conceptual and it's designed in Ottawa and it's great for Ottawa, perhaps not good in rural Afghanistan. You know, uh, this is also speaks to public cynicism about foreign aid. It's so often justified. The last time there was a big push by then Prime Minister Paul Martin to balance a budget, he cut foreign aid by over a fifth hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign aid was cut without any protest by a single taxpayer. Wait for it again, Arlene. (laughs) Well, it's true. It's true. I mean, you look back on those cuts, and they were always a reference point, the cuts of Martin, and they went out of style for a while, Tom, and, and Prime Minister Trudeau made the deficits come back. At least big deficits were out of style from the left and the right for a few years, and now they're back in style. What do you say? Are they going back in the out-of-fashion box? I I think that any future prime minister, regardless of who it is uh, or who is reelected on September 20th, I I don't think the outcome is really relevant. Uh, Any future prime minister and the 44th parliament faces a truly horrible job. And the job is to not run $300 billion a year deficits, which are simply staggering. The previous record was $55 billion set back in 2010. Uh, Jim Flaherty. $55 55 billion we call that chump change today Arlene that, that 55 billion is nothing we're looking at deficits now of 300 billion plus if parliament's really really lucky and sticks to its forecast and no one believes they will next year the deficit will be only about 200 billion dollars these are 100 year debts the unborn will be paying the interest on those bonds future cabinets will have no choice cut 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 And the easiest cut right off the block is foreign aid. 
You know, before we leave the topic, are Canadians part of this as well? I remember when it came up in the 2015 election thinking, well, I don't think this is going to fly. And that's when you knew that they were taking another look in that closet saying, okay, why don't we? It was presented as benign because there was cheap money. And we know there's a generation out there who knows nothing but cheap money, and apparently that is transferred into politics. But it is all these things are cyclical, Tom, and as you know very well, they have to come from the voters. And it's going to be interesting in this election campaign if that is going to be one of the impetus of, of Canadians as they vote in this election that they feel they shouldn't be even participating in. It's, it's entirely possible, Arlene, although, you know, we always say uh, the voters are never wrong. Because even when the voters are wrong, they're the ones who will pay the price. Yeah. You know, there's no magic. Uh, there's no magic. There's It's higher taxes and less service. That's what a deficit means. Everyone knows it. There's no other way to balance a budget. You will pay more for less. That's it. All right. And I know you have another story here about kind of inside behind the scenes with this government's uh, working together with the indigenous during the pandemic, making a deal, having it not come through. And this email that kind of shows the feeling of the urgency of dealing with this problem of a lack of personal protective equipment in a plane that never arrived with the stuff. But it also shows us how things get done in Ottawa. Squeaky wheels get the grease. It's true. And it's also the raw language of political aides when they are Mm -hmm. off camera. Mm -hmm. And they often use a language that is at odds with the softer, warmer public pronouncements of public office holders. In this case, the policy director of the uh, in the prime minister's office receives an angry text from the Alberta Métis Nation. They had ordered personal protective equipment from China. They didn't get it. This is unacceptable, said the text, to which the prime minister's policy director advised staff in an internal email, unfortunately disclosed, in which Mr. Thies said, we, we have a friendly, that, this was the indigenous mm-hmm. group, mm-hmm. a friendly uh, that are upset. And we should really do something to calm them down or, as he put it, diffuse this so they're not popping off at us. That's how political people talk when they're off microphone. But it's funny, <laughs> we always say there is no record more permanent than an electronic record. If you don't want it, read aloud in the town square, don't put it in an email, memo Mm -hmm. to file. Yeah, one of the first lessons of um, social media, and it's still resonating today. Tom Korski, thank you, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. And I hope you have a good night, Tom. Thanks a lot. Thank you kindly, Arlene. Thank you. For Alex Pearson, I'm Arlene Bynum. This is On Point, Global News Radio.